What's up, you guys? Hey, week number four of the Chazway podcast. Super excited to be here with you guys today. I'm in a bright room with a picture of Anna and Braxton and myself behind me, and I'm talking to this long-haired guy with a beard and 400 different pictures behind him in a dark room. If that's not weird, I don't know what is. So, hey, guys, again, week number four of 2022. I'm so excited to be here with my good friend, Danny, and I'll explain who he is and why he's on with you and, and I in a second, but I just quick I want to ask you guys, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on whether it's Spotify or iTunes or wherever, would you guys just do me a favor and, and just make sure you follow, like, love, thumbs up, whatever, subscribe, share, review. And, and listen, that's not for me. It's not for Danny. It's it's so that we can like reach a bigger platform. If there's something you hear, or maybe you've heard on a previous uh, a message, the idea is just to, to spread a, a, a message to more people that maybe can bring more value to more people. And to do that, the only way is to, is to get it out there. So if you guys will just make sure you show the love, maybe screenshot, maybe share on your socials, that's awesome. And if not, if it doesn't, like if it doesn't resonate with you and, and you don't feel like doing that, that's no problem. But if it does, uh, tell other people. So that's all I ask of you guys. And today, again, I'm here with my friend Danny. Um, so I know Danny because back in, uh, I guess it was March. Was it March or April that the, the Frisco event? That might've been April. Might have been April. So I think it was. I think it was April. So um, so back in April, I'm in Frisco, Texas. Anna and I and uh, a couple other friends, we go there because one of my my friends, Jesse Lee Ward, is going to be speaking at this event. And I don't know any other speakers there. I know a couple names, you know, Sean Whalen, a couple other people. And so, um, so some of the people that might follow this podcast know that I started in radio at 17 years old. I'm 44. Uh, started in radio at 17, worked in radio until I was like 21, uh, 20, 21. Uh, I only know I was 21 when I left radio. Here's why I know that. Right after I turned 21, I left radio. I was in California. The reason is because when I was 21, all my friends that were also DJs, I worked in a station in California. We had four stations. I worked at the country station. My guys at the rock station, they brought me this case of Corona on my shift. And they're like, dude, if you're 21. You should be drinking during your shift. And at, at 21, I was like, well, yes, I should be. So I partook of the entire case. And I remember right when my shift was over and I couldn't drive home. And I was like, if I have my job tomorrow, I probably should not drink at work ever again while I'm on the air. That's not a good choice. So, uh, but anyways, I left that and then moved to Oklahoma. And about a year later, a couple of years later, I ended up DJing in the bar business, did that for years and years and years and mobile DJing. So, but I tell you all that because... I end up hearing this host or the, the opener guy, the host, the, the hype man of this event that I'm at in Texas is Danny. And there's this long haired guy that comes out and he's, he's like hyping the crowd up and guys, it's kind of like, it's kind of like music shows. I've been to thousands of concerts again, having a background in radio. I manage bands. I ran around with, I've been around music a lot. I'm, I'm critical. I love the music industry. I love the entertainment industry. I love DJ industry, I guess you could say. Um, I love entertainment, just straight up. Um, and because of that, sometimes I'm a little critical, not because I'm, I'm judgy or I'm greater than, I just appreciate talent. And uh, right away, I saw talent in Danny. First of all, you didn't, you didn't just jump out there and be like, oh, I said, make some noise. Like you weren't that typical, like, screamo guy, you know, you just, you, you just, you carried yourself well. And so I noticed that. And then it was a cool weekend, man. We had a great time. Some of the, some of the, I learned so much from so many great speakers and uh, I just thought you did an awesome job. And I watched you through the weekend. I even, you would think I'm a stalker because I even saw you on day one. I saw, we, we ate at the same little restaurant there in the mall. Mm -hmm. And I, you were, you were like sitting in the window, tapping on it as everybody walked by. 
like everybody you knew, like you're waving at him. And I'm like, this guy's really funny. Like you were like messing with everybody. I was sitting somewhere else, but anyways, I was like, he's just funny. He's like the real deal guy. So you guys, I'm just telling you that I just need to set up who this guy is. He's just super cool. And, uh, and, and he's real and he's humble and he's an MC and he's a dad and he's a hype man. And he'll tell you way more about himself. Cause I don't know everything. Uh, I know your business guy. I know that you care about people. Um, I, I've said this every single week as I've introduced our guests um, that the people that have been on so far, including you, are just servant leaders, and uh, and that is no exception with you. So, um, Danny, why don't you just introduce yourself, and then um, after you introduce yourself, take us back to who you are today, and how did you kind of get to where you are today? So, let's start with that. Here's my friend Danny, everybody. No, thank you so much, and that was a hell of an introduction. And you know, Chaz, like that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know like who the official stalker is now, so I know who to be looking for when I go to events. But if I'm gonna I'm get the stalked, guy, yeah, I was gonna say if I get stalked by anybody, I'd love it to be you because that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, you and I share share the same background. I I worked in radio. You left at 21. I started DJing at 21. Okay. Radio station. So I worked in pretty much every format. I was on a uh, hip-hop stations i was on the adult contemporary stations where i started as adult contemporary yeah yeah that was uh that was a good that was a good training ground worked at a top 40 station got to meet justin timberlake and wow. all those guys went back when they were in sync and stuff like that wow so it was it was amazing they were a killer band live and i got to see them at the mall of america rotunda and it was it was three levels a big round circle and uh at three levels of the mall and you could go in there and it was at the mall of america so you could see them down below and it was like they were performing into a tunnel they did um remember um in the jungle in the jungle the mighty yeah, jungle old school song yeah they did that acapella and they nailed it like they slayed it it was the craziest thing were was they like kids still like had they had a hit yet or yeah were they, they yeah they had already had um i'm trying to think i don't think they had bye 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 yet but it was like one of their first it was one of their first songs so wow. it was it was crazy but they were like people knew who they were that mall was crowded with people and uh huh. it was an amazing amazing process to go through i went to school in in minneapolis minnesota for for radio went on a scholarship and then um i ended up bouncing around between there and wisconsin and then finally down to texas and i went to the country format so um i did that worked in the mortgage industry i started a mobile dj service um, when I was in Houston at one point, I worked in bars and clubs and hosting karaoke. So you and I have a lot of a lot of similar background just in awesome. that capacity. I, so, um, I did some corporate catering and I, I dabbled with office work. I even one point I was taking jobs. I didn't discriminate with the jobs that I took because I figured, well, how much does it pay? I was focused on the money, right? How much does it pay and what kind of work do I have to do? Yeah. Right. Um, I would try to keep it consistent with what my resume looked like because I was very strategic about that um as a as a young man because i had it was almost like living in a dual universe so i had my radio career but then again there were times where i was like i need to go make some decent money so i'd go wait tables too so mm -hmm. it was i was like the table waiting dj and and i kind of kind of made that made my way into that it was it was a good it was a good time it was a good balance between it was almost like i was using my tip money to fund my radio career yeah, radios unless unless you're like morning drive or sometimes afternoons, radio is not as like lucrative as people think. It's it's actually super underpaid. Or yeah, I think it's underpaid unless you're a morning show. I mean, you can make tons of money, uh, or at least you could back in the day. But yeah, radio was more of like you have to love it, right? 
Yeah. Did you do well as a, as a host or as a server? I always wonder, I've always wondered if I would do great as like a bartender or as a host. Cause I love people. Did you do good? You know, I did okay as a, as a bartender, like I was bartending, but I'd bartend with a team or a crew and it was in a very corporate structure. So it was okay. higher end sports bar. We had something called champs Americana down here in okay. and it was nice. Like their target demographic was, you know, families that make $75,000 a year or more. And at that time that was the pinnacle. Now it's probably like 150,000. So, yeah. um, and TVs all over the place, but I did okay. If I averaged 120, 150 bucks a night, it was a good night for me, but gotcha. I, I had friends that were doing two, 300 bucks a night. And, you know, I just, it was never my jam. I didn't enjoy it. I socialized a lot, but I think that hurt me too, because I'd over socialize. It's like as a DJ or somebody who enjoys talking and conversing, sometimes it's too much. Sure. So, and you've got yeah. people that they have different experiences. They have different vibrations. You have people that come in and they're watching you kind of, like you said, they stalk you while you're in your section and, they might penalize you because you're talking to the other table too much. You're giving them more attention. But truth is, like, you know, people are different. You know, it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Human psychology. I, I, I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of people. And, and I enjoyed the nature of the work. It was always fast-paced, and it was different every day. So, yeah. That was... Uh, hey, so take me back. So you do radio. You, you know, you supplement that a little bit with, with some serving, which I think so many people probably can relate to not the DJing side necessarily, but serving. I mean, a lot of people have done that in some capacity of their life. And when is that? Is that like early 20s? Yeah, you know, um, that lasted from my first waiting job. So my first job, well, I had a couple of jobs. I got a job at McDonald's at 14. Um, before that, I was mowing lawns and okay. I would babysit. So that was kind of my jam because I wanted to make money. My parents, we had five kids in my family. And they're like, and it was a Marine Corps family, so... You know, we didn't have a lot of money to spread between seven people. We lived in a three-bedroom, 1.5-bath house. So wow. baths on the sink and cat baths were kind of a regular thing if we were jammed up and, and had to get to school. So yeah. it's we lived like that. We thought like that. We trained like that. It was like we were in the military. But my first job, like my parents told me, they're like, look, if you you got to start buying your own deodorant and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. So I did at 13, you know, 12 and 13. They're like, if you want nice shoes, you're going to have to buy them. So I was motivated to go make money and hustle. So I'd cut grass and do anything and everything I could. This was before the internet. Then I got a job at McDonald's at 14 and um, they found out I was 14. <laughs> I was cooking on the grill. I was sitting there cooking patties and stuff and they found out I was 14 and they, they said, look, um, you're fired. If, if you can't, like, if you want to keep staying here, you're going to have to go cut tomatoes. And I hated the work, so I just quit. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm out, y'all. And they're like, okay, cool. Because I argued with them. I said, well, you guys should have checked the paperwork. So I yeah. should be able to cook on the grill. I was defiant at 14. I did not care. And I was, I felt like, hey, listen, you made a mistake, so I'm entitled to be behind the grill. Yeah. Uh, mind you, that was probably not the best thing. But, you know, I was like, they were just trying to protect me and protect the business, right? Sure. So, I hey, at the, the same time, you already were doing the grill work. You're like, let me, I haven't screwed it up. Let me you keep know, doing it. Yeah. You can't burn a burger. By the way, if you never worked at McDonald's, what they do is like, it's a time thing. So you put the patties down, they all come out perfect and uniform because they have a system. Like one of the best companies to learn systems and processes, McDonald's, they've got it down to a T. So the food is not good for you. However, the, except for the fries, but the, their systems and processes are, are good. Yeah. So. I did that, worked in a restaurant, and then I ended up, um, I think it was in my early 20s, I was 
17, 18, I waited tables at a truck stop, and waiting tables got me hooked. That kept going on through my time when I was going to radio school. So I worked at Subway. I worked, always worked at Food Concepts while I was training in radio because I knew it was fast cash, and I could always pick up a shift. So yeah. that was the survival mentality. I didn't want to go to a place where it's like, well, you got to be here from 9 to 5. I had school until noon every day. So I'd wake up, be at school at 8, be done at noon, and the rest of the day was mine. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I did that throughout my 20s, probably my late 20s. Um, and then I I got a job in radio. That was a, a morning show. It was a four-year gig. And I ended up going there, started a family. I went to East Texas, left Houston. And I met my wife at the time. We had two younger children. And then um, 2009 came, and it was time to, like, the, the crashing of the economy caught up with us in Texas at that point. So everything that happened in 2008, it took a whole year to catch up to us. So wow. I was grateful for that. I had a couple of children, had a brand new house built, and then I had to go to work and actually find a legitimate, consistent plane of business that I could actually support my family, not $45,000 a year. I needed to make some serious cash. Sure. So it, that's, that's, I went, started reinventing myself and became a loan officer. So Wow. And, and why loan officer? That's where money was? No. So, and this is, this goes back to my thing. And we talked a little bit about this, but you know, the journey of my life, if I'm to look back on it is things have always worked out the way they were supposed to work out, work out Chaz always have. I have a tremendous amount of faith. I was raised Catholic and I had a very high sense of, of consciousness when I was born. I remember things like, I remember the first time I got smacked in the face, I was four years old. And like I was four years old, I remember my father trying to clean the blood from my face because he smacked me that hard at four years old. And, you know, while it's, you know, it's something I've reconciled with, I know that I, I was still confused by that. And sure. when I became a father, I'm like, I'll never hit my kids ever. There will be nothing that they can do that will be that bad that will justify something like that. But like, I remember and I vibrate at that frequency where I can feel things. I know things. It's uh divine wisdom that gets sent to us, whether it come through our DNA, our ancestors, our guardian angels, God watching over, right? God's busy, so he's got to have some help, right? Yeah. Um, the universe, the universe is watching. It's all energy. We're energy. If you remove our souls from our bodies, we cease to exist, right? And I've got to tell you, it was fantastic because I ended up, I ended up uh, going there because what had happened was I was working at a radio station after I got laid off from the morning show and I was in radio sales. I had maybe three or four clients. It was the worst time to be in advertising radio, like advertising, like yellow pages, radio billboards. It didn't matter what it was marketing in general. Like everybody cut their marketing budgets in 2008, 2009 because of the yeah. economic collapse. And we were on the rebuild. It was going to take another good two or three years to build back up. So at that point I had to make a pivot. One of my clients, I was producing and making extra money every week, producing their radio show. So I would go in, I would set it up, I would record it. I'd sit in as a third party, almost like a moderator. And it was two mortgage guys. And I think we did that probably for about three months. They came to me because I knew the radio business, but also because they were my account as well. I said, guys, I'll do it for free. Like I'll throw my, my service in for that. I'm already making commissions on the you know, the broadcast, you need to sign a year commitment. We'll make that. I just sweetened the pot for them because I knew the economy and what was going on. 
they're like, okay, cool. Probably about three months later, they're like, Danny, what do you think about like coming to work in the mortgage industry? Like we can teach you how to do some stuff. How much do you make and what do you need? And, you know, so they kind of came at that angle on me and they brought me into Nothing the Nothing happens on accident. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, I got to tell you, man, I learned a lot. They put me at the front desk. So for four years, I worked the front desk like my life depended on it. And I had I had purchased the equipment with my 401k money on the way out of the radio station because like my $10,000 401k went down to 3000 and I had to stop the bleeding. So I pulled it out. And I got to tell you this. The company was like, well, if you pull it out, you're going to get taxed. I'm like, yeah, but if I leave it in there, I'm not going to have any money left. Right. So I, I thought that was really confusing to me. And it, it kind of, it was something that, that hit with me at a very like hard frequency. And I didn't understand why I got triggered by that. But I, I'd come to understand that a lot later, that that's the, the structure of the companies and the 401ks. And, you know, that's not. It's not meant to benefit you per se. And that a lot of that comes from education, right? So right. they don't tell you everything you need to know. So you have to go searching for this information. But long story short, things fell into place. I was able to support my family. I ended up doubling my income. Wow. Um, I grew to be a very key instrumental part of that team. At that time, I think, um, I think the gentleman I worked with was his income alone was for the whole year, just for his portion was like maybe $350,000. That's what he had netted, and and he's like, I want to go to a million. And we're like, okay, so we're like that shouldn't be that difficult. But we built that company. Where, where were you at? Didn't I was in Long, yeah, I was in Longview, Texas. I was in East. Long, that's East Texas, right? East Texas, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at a map, Dallas is here. East Texas is you know over here. So Longview. that so Longview. Uh, side note, Terrell, Texas. Is that close to that? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's about an hour and a half away. Is Longview east of Terrell? It is. It okay. is east. Yeah, it's about an hour away from border. Louisiana border. Okay. Off 20? Yeah, off I-20. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. It's... All right. So you're working in East Texas. That's yep. where you end up with. And that's because radio took you there, and then you end up working for the load company. Yep, I sure and, did. And, and with success. Okay, so he says he wants to go to, to a mill, and then what? Well, at that point, we were, we were really digging in and, like, developing systems and processes and recruiting and things like that. And I had a really good knack working with people. So all of our real estate partners, the way that we got business, the, the, the citizens that lived there, you know, the community was great. So I already knew at an early age, like, Hey, I need to be out in the community because I was great with people. And number two, I knew that if people like me and trust me that they would do business with me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I, I laid a lot of my focus and I became the marketing director and I would follow up and I would call real estate agents and basically maintain the relationships on behalf of the business. I was yeah. a, a business development monster and didn't even know it. And that was, that's what was starting to take shape. I would take my equipment and volunteer it and I would MC and get in these rooms with other people, very successful people. And I would MC at every single event. So kind of like uh, what you had already, you know, what you'd seen and what you've known and experienced, like I was doing that for the mortgage company and I made mortgages fun. I made it to be like, well, hey, that's really fun. What do you guys do? It's like, well, we, we help people buy homes. We secure financing for them. They're like, oh, okay. And it was odd. It was odd to people because I had long hair in the mortgage industry. You know, a lot of those guys look like you. They're clean cut, clean shaven, good looking. And I come in looking like Jesus, you know, on a three-day bender. And it's it was kind of, you know, confusing for people. So. Hey, let me ask you a question about that. Did you, not about looking like Jesus because there ain't nothing wrong with that, but. 
Uh, by the way, I'll receive that compliment about being good looking and clean cut. I yeah, just got a haircut. Yeah. I was in a meeting this morning with Shaggy here at a baseball hat because I hadn't had a haircut in a month. I had a big fro, but I did just get it cut a couple hours ago. So thanks for the compliment. I'll tell my hair girl. <laughs> you got, yeah, you tell her she did a good job. She made you yeah. look high, so Right. Uh, she didn't even wax my brows for me. But um, so as somebody who's emceed and DJed a bunch, mm-hmm. I just want to ask, right when you said that you would bring your MC equipment in or your DJ equipment, mm-hmm. did you ever feel, and this may, this probably comes deep down in my, in my, my mind. Okay. This is probably a story I've written. So that's why it's, it, it strikes me. Did you ever feel like there might be some misconception of who Danny is? Like if I'm MC, would they ever be confused that maybe I'm not with the loan company and they might be confused. Like I'm the MC versus the business guy. Like, and then I don't want to fast forward to the apex stuff, but we can talk about that later. Cause I do want to visit that. But even if that's another scenario that could be the same, like you could easily be, you could, your ego or your pride really is probably what it comes down to. Was there ever, even back in the loan officer days or the loan business, was there a, was there a time where it's like, well, if I bring my MC stuff, would it, would I, would I take a risk of maybe being confused as just the DJ? That's happened quite a bit. It's almost like being the janitor, but you know the beauty of that too? Like, as I entered into MC some of those events, there were there were fundraisers or meetups for the organizations or real estate professionals. So I was there to represent, sponsored by, there's no cash exchange, but what I was doing was working for opportunities. So if we transacted with certain real estate agents or got you know business from them, I would get a commission or overrides on, on anybody that came to do business with us that month. So sure. volume, I'd get paid commission on volume or profit share. So I I'd never worried about what my identity looked like. Yeah. If they wanted to assume that I was just the DJ, it was fantastic because I could have real conversations with them. They would tell me things that they wouldn't tell other mortgage or other real estate professionals. Okay. So I took that and made it an advantage. Okay. Um, there were times when people treated me just like the DJ. And usually the thing that it didn't trigger me per se because they were bad people. They just put their value on on the perception of people differently. It was very, very different. But mm. I was grateful for that because they showed me who they were. Yeah. And when you know that and you can see that in someone and they're being honest with you and that's truly who they are, then you know where you stand. And if you know where you stand, then you know where you can stand to gain the most out of the room. Mm-hmm. Or you know where you need to stand to be in the presence of real people. Sure. Yeah. You know where to focus your energy, right? That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's really good. And, and I, and I asked that not because I would ever assume that there was ego or pride involved. Cause I don't think that's you per se. Um, but I know for me, there's definitely been times, many, many times where I'm like, I just, I can wear a lot of hats mm-hmm. you can wear a lot of hats mm-hmm. a lot. And there are times where I don't, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to MC the Christmas party for the company that I am the, also the X, Y, Z at, you know, because I don't want to, again, not, I promise it's not from an ego standpoint, it's more from a like, and again, probably overthinking it, like, well, maybe that's confusing. And I could see where, and maybe in your role, it wasn't the case, but it could easily be, you know, if I could take it to where I met you, like it could have also, if I wasn't somebody that thought and paid attention to connecting all the dots, 
somebody could also think you were, and I don't mean just because gosh, I'm an MC. So I would never think we're nothings. We are literally, we're hired to be everything. <laughs> you know, we are the, I mean, I always say, if you, if you ever wonder if there's any value in the DJ, turn the music off. You want to see, you, you think the DJ doesn't have value? Turn the mic and music off. You tell me how awkward it gets and tell me if there's value in the DJ because <laughs> it gets weird real quick, <laughs> you know, but anyways, I was just curious about that. So carry on. I, I didn't mean to shift gears on that, no, no. but I, it is something that that's something for, for me that's that I can identify with, you know? Well, you know, that's a great, and it's a great question too. And that's the thing like, uh, you know, in that, in that it, it's kind of tough. It's hard. It's like, well, you're the DJ, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, but I, I want to talk to you about, you know, you know, where are you going to be sending your, your next loans or whatever? And that's, it's kind of a disconnect because it's indicative of where people want to put you in terms of boxes. Right. And, and it's also a supporting factor for judging. Like, yes, I do judge you. People are like, I'm not judgmental until you decide, Hey, you're just the DJ. Yeah. But I could also be a sales rep for the company that I represent. Right. In addition to like, I don't have a scarcity mindset. I'm not working on a limited capacity in terms of, you know, the value of who you are. Like, Chaz, who are you? You're not just this. You're not just a dad. You're not just a husband. You're not just like, you're not just one thing. And right. and that's the message too, for a lot of people. Um, but I think, like you said, it doesn't come from ego. I know that it doesn't come from ego for you, but for a lot of people, they get stuck in it because it's a defense mechanism. And, you know, if you can remove the ego, right. And the pride, you'll be able to see everything you need to see about how awesome you are how multifaceted, how talented you are and how important those talents are required in this world. Half the time, people don't know what they think. And the problem is, is that we make up stories about what other people think. Yeah. Right. And nine times out of 10, they're not even close to being true. <laughs> you know? yeah, nine times out of 10, Danny, there are the stories that we've chose to make up, you know, <laughs> I'll share something with you and I, and I don't want to spend a lot of energy on this, but I've struggled with weight my whole life. Okay. And there's a lot of depth to that. I guarantee you, guarantee you one of the reasons is because I've allowed myself to struggle with my weight. So as long as I make it a thing, it will remain. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is I've fabricated this story for my whole life. I'm 44 that people like I worry, worry about, what people think, like, I'll worry about what I'm going to wear to something like, this is kind of vulnerable that I'm sharing this, but it, it, it's, I've, I made up in my mind that people are going to judge me or people are going to assume I'm the big guy, or I'm the guy that's the clothes don't fit right. Or like, nobody did that. I did that. Like yeah. you're, I'm the only one in the room that chose to make that my story. Like nobody in the room, the gym is the perfect example. Like I promise you people, the gym, they don't care about you. Like they aren't like, I wonder if that one guy is going to show up. That's got a little bit bigger of a belly. That shirt might be tight. Nope. They don't care. They're not there for you. No. So it, when you can get that, when you can get over that, which in like the gym, I got over a few years ago, which changed my life, by the way, it, I had a fear of the gym. And when I got over that, it changed everything for me. That's just an example. Cause it's a good example for a lot of people, but in life, just in day-to-day -day life, it's still a reality. And the reality is I'm the one that made the story up. So I'm the one that thinks, oh, well, maybe they'll be confused that the DJ is just the DJ and I'm not the guy that can also help you with your home mortgage or you know what I mean? So it's like, we kind of fabricate those stories. And the reality is nine times out of 10, like you said, it's our story, not, not anybody else's. We just made it up, you know, change your story. <laughs> no, no. And that's the thing I was going to say, like, you're in charge of your story. I had the same thing. My teeth aren't, they weren't always this beautiful. 
You know what I mean? They're fake. Half my teeth are fake. It's the a matter of fact, they're the only fake things on my body or my teeth. And I yeah. struggled. I had, you know, the gap and everything. I, I really probably needed a phrenectomy, but you know, for many years, like my teeth were decaying really fast and it was, it was genetic. It wasn't because I did math or anything like that. I just, like my brother still has his original teeth. We're about, you know, four years apart. And you know, I'm like, why did I lose my teeth so rapidly? Part of it's shoddy dentistry. Part of it's like, you know, drinking, like you add sugar to the mix, it's going to break down your teeth, especially drinking alcohol. So like okay. I was crunch, I'd bite into burgers and crunch my teeth out. And for many years I would cover my mouth or I had, you know, just black spots where the crowns had fallen off and the nerves were going dead. So, you know, thank God I was able to get beautiful teeth. And, and I got to tell you, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm, I'm grateful. I smile more. Yeah. I have that confidence, you know, like you talk about, you know, wait a little bit in the roller coaster. Mine was insecurity. Mine was validation. Like I used to be gaslit and told that I was never going to amount to anything if I was doing X, Y, Z, the game, the the shame, the guilt, everything that was associated with it. Don't eat too much. Better clean your plate. Don't be this. Don't be that. Do this. Stand up straight. Like I, Chaz, I was, I went through the gauntlet when it came to anything and everything that would fall under a narcissist or a sociopath. And, and I was trained by a very dangerous human being. And that was the other thing. And coming up, I got to tell you, like you said, those stories, I had to decide at those moments, like what story am I going to tell? What story am I going to write? And what story am I going to live for the future? Yeah. yeah. And I would say those things out loud. You know, wow. this goes back to the power of manifesting. And when I was a kid, there were a lot of things. There were times where I was mad. I would rage. And I got to a place where I didn't care, like if I got the belt. Me and my brother, my my brothers, I had two brothers and two sisters. I still do. They're all here, thank God. Um, there were moments where we had to hit each other with the leather belt. Like we'd have to pull our pants down all the way to our ankles, grab our ankles, bend over without bending our knees, and then hit each other while our father watched mm. as punishment. We didn't do anything too crazy. It might be we're arguing or fighting or tumbling around, but it was sadistic. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a hard thing. I was like, wait, this is messed up. I'm about ready to hit my brother with whom I share a bedroom with. At the time, yeah. we lived in an add-on garage. So I slept up against the back of the garage um, room that was made over. And um, you could hear the raccoons underneath the house sometimes. And then my brothers slept closest to the windows. Um, but I remember that, you know, we, we talk about that as men now. And I'm like, that's pretty messed up. But we all three of us decided when we were kids that we were not going to do anything. It was kind of like we didn't get together and say that was effed up, but we pretty much said it in that language as kids. Yeah. And from that moment, we said we are not ever going to hit our kids like that. Never. The leather belt yeah. will not be a thing. That will not be funny to us ever. Ever. Yeah. And when we became which, you, which again, which and you had a choice, you had it because that you could have let. So talk about stories. You 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 chose to not let that be your story because you, you know, I didn't have a dad. I was raised my I, I, nothing traumatic. I just my my mom and dad separated when I was a little 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 kid, like an infant. And uh, my dad chose to go his way. My mom chose to just do it on her own. My mom's my best friend to this day. Um, and so I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. We're super, super close. She's been my biggest support system my entire life. 
I, I, I'm so grateful for that. However, I didn't have a dad, but you know what? Like I could have grown up not having a dad and then being a piece of crap dad, but my son is my world. My son's everything. We're, we're, we're best friends. And sometimes, well, I'm proud that he's like, he's my world. Like he, he is everything to me. And people, people often are, are, are so, so quick to say how cool that is the bond we have but I could have let my story be well I didn't have a dad I don't know how to be a dad I don't I still don't know how to be a dad I just know that it was my, I just knew that I was never going to let that happen because I knew that it, it wasn't the way it should be I I didn't like not having a dad I, you know I still don't like that I didn't have a dad but I knew that I could my story I could rewrite the story for myself and for the dad that I had the opportunity to become right same as same as you different scenario but we got to rewrite what we chose for our story to be for you. It was, it was a leather belt. It was being a dad. It was being a parent. It was uh, punishment and how you wanted to punish. Yeah. And, um, and you chose to go a different route. And I think that's awesome. So for those of you that are paying attention to this, you get to write your story, however you choose to do it. And I always believe like whether it, maybe somebody, maybe people didn't have like a lot of, like, I don't feel like I had a traumatic, crazy childhood. Um, but I, but I still think anybody, no matter what age you are, I think you could look and think that there might be some things that you either knew weren't like right, like as in just standard, like normal, um, or maybe they were big and traumatic and dramatic. And you're like, well, this is, this is not right. Or this is not normal. Uh, you like today, no matter where you're at at whatever age you could, you can readjust and realign and move forward today. Like you don't have to wait and you don't have to check. You don't have to like you don't have to close that door. Like it's not still possible to make adjustments. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and I think this is a very important thing too, because as a man or a woman, if you're a grown person, you're an adult and you already have children, it's time to get squared away. It's time to dial in anything you're having issues with today. If you haven't resolved those issues, stop letting them be the issues. Those stories are messing up your current present. It might be affecting your relationship with your spouse. It might be affecting your relationship with people in in, in business, it might be affecting your relationship with your children. It might be affecting a relationship with yourself. It's a block that you've got on yourself. And you almost have to go back to that time and edit it. Like what's going to happen if you didn't get to say it at that time, because you weren't cognizant enough to say, Hey, and you didn't have to be, we're all on a different journey. And some of us have a higher level of consciousness when we get here and maintain it. And some of us, it takes us a little bit. It takes us till our mid forties or late fifties or whatever the case may be. Sure. That's just, those are the chosen paths. There's, it's not a competition and it's not a game. It's, it's the journey that was pre-selected. It was discussed and negotiated before you even made an appearance on this planet. Yeah. It's your responsibility to go to that time, say, I have to resolve this issue here and edit my timeline. So from this point, moving forward, this is what I was going to do. This is what my intention is. My intention is to be this, this, and this. I want to go here. I want to release all the negativity associated with this moment in my life. Today, moving forward, we're editing the timeline. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'll give you a good example of that. I have a 22-year-old son. He lives in Fargo, North Dakota. And he's got a son. He's two years old. And he's close to the same age I was. I was 25 when I had him with his mom. And it was a very tumultuous experience for us. Again, unresolved issues from childhood got brought into relationships I had made for a chaotic my 20s were chaotic and they were they were crazy but i gotta tell you i'm grateful for that journey last night i had a conversation with him and i said listen alex i gotta tell you something really important he goes what's that dad i said you know when i was with your mom i didn't do things the right way 
I said, I hurt her feelings. I broke her heart. I said things that I'll never, ever be able to take back. Things that still affect her to this day. I said, and, and I wish I could. I wish I could go back and edit that. Because I put something on her that has affected her for this period of time. I don't even get the opportunity. It doesn't matter how successful I become. It doesn't matter because I did not create a good enough space for her to come back in or feel like she could come back in. Mm. And I never wanted that. It was cathartic and it was humbling because I was being accountable in that time. Not for my ego, not because I need my kids to love me more or more than the other parent. That's not what it's about. Like, it's about owning the things that I did in my life and correcting them. Because we're not perfect. We're not. But I don't let them be excuses, you know? My father didn't come to us and be like, well, I didn't know any better. Yeah, you knew better. You used to get beat with hangers and electrical cords. You knew that the leather belt would hurt. Bare skin is sadistic. That's a whole different level of abuse. Yeah. So, but not to be negative about it, I'll tell you this part of it, though. That assignment that we came on when we got to this planet, Chaz, we chose that. We chose to go through every single experience and situation, broken heart, failure, success, the roller coaster ride of life. We chose that for a particular reason. And think about it for your life right now. Like, you didn't let that be an excuse that you didn't have a father around. Mm-hmm. Your son loves the hell out of you, doesn't he? Yep. Right? And that's a wonderful thing. And you didn't need a guidebook. You're an example to many men. Who might be like, well, I didn't have a dad around. Well, what's your excuse? Chaz got it done. Sure. Right? And and I love that because I don't think anybody would choose to go through this life without a dad. Right. In my case, I would have been okay with it. Right. You know? But it's all right. It inspired me to be the dad that I did not have. Sure. Absolutely. Right? E- even circumstantially. So even, even in the on in your case it was so physical and i and you just you hear horror stories you are an example of a horror story frankly like i mean that's not and we can shift a brighter brighter piece oh, of yeah, this yeah. story yeah. in a second but i mean let's let's not discredit what you and your family have gone through like that is those are things you see in movies those are horror stories you see on the news you know so yes it's awesome that you are a humble enough man to to let it be light enough for you but it doesn't mean it didn't happen to you you know what i mean right and again you chose to go a different route and and i and i gosh i commend you so much for that but it doesn't mean it's not real doesn't mean it wasn't painful doesn't mean it's not still painful i was listening to an interview today um from chad wright i don't know if you know who chad wright is but uh he's he's just this really cool guy but anyways i was listening to an interview um and he was talking the guy he was interviewing was talking about it being four years old and his mom being this raging alcoholic and she did some very physically abusive things to this kid and and he was like it it, i i i just i knew that it wasn't right at four years old for me to go through the things i was going through i just knew that that wasn't normal even at four i didn't i didn't know what was right but i just knew this wasn't normal you know so he changed his story as he got older he just chose to, to to change his story so so let's Fast forward. Thanks for being vulnerable, by the way. I appreciate your open on. I, like, I want to bring value to everybody, mm-hmm. and somebody will resonate with that because 
there are hurt people in this world and these this this story will fall on the ears it's supposed to you know i hope it does yeah and that's the thing you know chaz like and and life is worth it's worth celebrating this is you know the part where it gets good too you're like you can look back and remember hey i don't live there anymore yeah so don't carry it with you like let it yeah. go so you have life to live today sure sure that's, i love that message so okay so like we're going through this timeline. You're in the loan business. So what's the title? I keep, I'm calling you loan officer. I'm calling you the mortgage guy. Like yep. what is your, you're, you're selling mortgage. What are you doing? Yeah. So I was a loan officer and basically what I would do is I would, people would call and say, Hey, I thought I you were only, in, sorry. I thought you were only the MC. My bad. Right, yeah, I, you were right. just the MC. Yeah, people were great. It was great. They're like, Danny, you're really good on the phone. They're like, you have a great voice. You should be on the phones, which is perfect. They would do that. They put me on the phone. So I would work the front desk for four years. I called myself a man assistant because that's what I would do. I talked to every single person that came in the building. Now pay attention to that. I talked to every single person that came to do business with us. Anybody and everybody that came through our office to transact with us. Yeah. I had, they had contact with me. I was the you. first point of contact. Yeah. And that plays a big part of the relevance later on in my yeah. story in apex. Yeah. So I did that. I have these discussions with people. They're sharing private and personal information. How much money do you make? What's your social security number? Do you receive child support? Do you pay child support? Uh, do you have you know citizenship papers? Like there's very sensitive information that gets discussed when you're going to purchase a home. And and, and I'm glad I had that conversation and with a lot of people. Sometimes it was a little bit contentious and sometimes I had to stay a little bit later because they didn't get off work and they would only deliver it in person. So. I became very accommodating. I learned to flex and work with people and not complain. Just say, hey, listen, I'll be here. I'll wait till six. Come by when you can. I know you're busy with the family. So it was it was an art that I had to learn to be able to do that. But it was also the foundation. Doing that repetitively was the thing that I needed to help build me and prepare me um, in business. I, like My business acumen was okay, but I really dove into marketing, sales, follow-up systems and processes when I dug into and the psychology of it, when I got into the mortgage industry. Okay. So awesome. So how many years were you at that company? I was there about nine years. Nine okay. Years. Actually, let me just, like, here's what I'm dying to know. Wh where do you build? Like, I know that that has to be where you built some relationships that took you to where you are today. I, I can't be wrong. Yeah, no. So let's talk about that. Cause yeah. again, this goes back to assignment. You never know how you're going to get there. At the time I took the job at the mortgage company, Chaz, oh, I hated it. I hated the nature of the work sometimes. I did enjoy the work, but I hated how I felt sometimes because the people I worked with. I didn't like it. At first, it started off good. At first, it was pie in the sky. And you know, it's there's a saying that we say a lot in Apex. It's money is a magnifier. Ryan Steumann talks about that. He's like, Whoever you are before you have money, that's who you're going to be. You're going to be a bigger, more magnified element of that. So if you're not a kind person here, you're not going to be kinder when you get money. Sure. You just won't. So some people, yeah, that's good. right? Um, and and that's that was the essence of it. Like the more money we made, we took that company from netting $350,000 a year to $100 million in sales. And if you do the math on that, you know, probably averaging about 4 to $5 million, if not more a year in revenue. Wow. That's that's personal revenue just for the branch. That doesn't include the salaries. You know, you had some salaries. So there's when you get done with it, you know, you're probably walking away with, you know, three million or something like that, maybe mm -hmm. four. So um I gotta tell you, it was I focused on the money when I was there. 
I did enjoy parts of the work, but it was doing the business with the people when they became and they had that success. It was the changes that they made after they had they had gotten to that that level that they wanted to be at. It's kind of like when you set goals, you're like, when I get there, if I just get to a million, then I'll be a better human being. I'll be so grateful. I'm going to be a good person. It's kind of like asking God to do you a favor and and say, God, if you just do this for me, then I'll do X, Y, Z for the rest of my life, or I'll never do this, right? You're you're making deals with the devil when you do that. That's not yeah. like, like God does not negotiate with terrorists. I don't, I don't know if that's true. Maybe he does. Like, you never know, but it's it's a manipulative tactic. You should yeah. do what you do because you want to do it, not because it's desperation calling on you or you have to do it. But yeah, we... Long story short, we ended up coaching with Ryan. We were looking for a way to to increase and enhance our our network online, and and that was that was affecting us because people stopped answering the phones. I call 40 real estate agents every week, and they stopped answering the phone. So I'd send them videos, and then finally I got to a point where I was like, "Hey guys, I think we need to incorporate puppets." And so, before we met Ryan, we'd incorporated a puppet. So, hey, what's up, Jazz? I'm Lil D. Nice to meet you. Hey, four years old. Not not emotionally. No, emotionally, I'm 15. So, I like we just started incorporating puppets because mortgage wasn't sexy and it wasn't fun. In video, yeah, in video. And you did that. Like, were you the marketing guy? I was one of them. We were all pretty brilliant marketers. Okay. Um, Yeah, one was very great at systems, and that was the thing. Like, it's it's a love hate relationship at that time because had I not been there, I wouldn't have learned half the stuff that I learned. But I just I ultimately left because of what it did to my soul and what it did to like my calling. Like I was on a different calling. And and there were things that happened too. And and they're like I don't want to say make it dark, dark elements, but it goes back to never allow somebody to speak for you and the value of who you are. You always have to know your value and you always have to control the conversation surrounding when your name is spoken. Mm-hmm. That's that's why it's so important to network and be in the world providing value, kind of like you're taking this time right now out of your day this is not an investment like people aren't going to reimburse you for this right this is something that you're doing out of the kindness of your heart because you feel called to it and you know like it's one of those things where we had a great relationship we were all very talented human beings but success does different things to different people yeah again magnifier so it's uh one thing i learned early is fame isn't real Humility will get you everything. Manners will keep you in the doors that you walk through. Wow. And that right there was the element of it. I always wanted to have fun. Be playful. Life is stressful. We had people that were going through one of the biggest purchases of their to- their lifetime. It's a house is one of the biggest purchases most people will make. Second yeah. thing, when you're married, you have kids, you've got stresses, you've got people bending your ear, you had a stressful day at work. Like the last thing they need is any stress from the mortgage company. And that was kind of the, the logic. And the other thing, too, is most of the mortgage guys looked the same. So we had to differentiate, and we got puppets made uh, for the business. And it was, it was good. I, I got a chance to actually you know, take my puppet with me when we left. And I was like, hey, man, I want to take my puppet. They're like, okay. They didn't want me to go. They're like, hey, we want you to stay. I was like, I know, but I have to go do something else. I got to the place where we recruited uh, lots of loan officers, set up branches and things like that. And then at the end of it, um, I got a chance to go work at corporate and I finished out my time there for about nine months while I was in Dallas. And going back to that, like that led up to me joining Apex, but I was already working with Apex back in 2016, 17. That's when I met Ryan Stuman. 
And I got invited to an event. We started striking a conversation. I took everything I learned in a book called Elevator to the Top, implemented it, and started getting noticed on Twitter by him. What's was it called? Elevate what? Uh, Elevator to the Top. Who's the, who's that by? That's by Ryan Stuman. Oh, it is? Uh-huh. Yep. Fantastic book. That was the first book that I bought to invest in myself. It was $8. It was kind of like the free book offer. It's like free book, pay $8 for shipping. Yeah. Right. So I bought the book and I read the whole thing and I started implementing. At that same time, we had hired Ryan to coach our, our mortgage branch. So every month, the guy that I worked with would go up there and coach with Stuman. He'd have weekly calls. And at one point, Stuman saw that I narrated audiobooks. At that point, I'd narrated 40 of them romance, business, um, educational books, so self development books. I just went on and took my old radio skills because I was, I was, I don't want to say I was restless, but I was restless and I wanted to create something for myself because I didn't own the mortgage business. So I started narrating audiobooks, something that I could control, something that I could own, something that I could leave for my family. Mm-hmm. So I took that journey, but I posted about an author I dropped a book for. Ryan saw it because I followed everything in his book. Hey, make sure you're tagging out and, and shouting at your authors and people that you do business with and show a sign of good faith and other people see that. Well, he hits me in the DM and says, hey man, I see you narrate books. Do you want to narrate mine? And he became like my first direct paid author to work with me. And I got to narrate all of his books. Um, and it's fantastic. I produced them, I narrated them. And I got to tell you, Chaz, because we talked about this before. People think, oh, he's got like Lamborghinis and Rolexes and, you know, he's rich and he charges a lot of money for his programs. You know what, man? Because I made that investment in in doing that, I didn't, I didn't charge him anything barely. It was very minimal. It was just to get the opportunity because I knew that if I could get in the room, in the circle with him, I would have more business than I knew what to do with because he was already working with my ideal clients. Every person or most people coming through his network end up starting podcasts or writing books. And some of them launch brand new companies in addition to the ones that they're already working and running. So by doing this, I got a chance to get to know him a little bit more. I had a reason to reach out to him. It wasn't just willy nilly. It was like, hey, here's where we are with your book. It should be done by this date. It's going to be published. Next thing you know, we start talking about radio background. He invites me to come MC for him. But before that, I'd started making moniker videos. So I would take filters from Snapchat and do funny things, making fun of people that are clout chasers or that go to network marketing events and never do the work. And and I would I gave him the moniker Ryan Mother Stuman. And I would send him a montage reel like every other week. He would take that, play it in his network. Then he would send me the screenshot of how many views it would get. It'd get four to 5,000 views. I was like, man, this is great. So he saw that. He liked that. He said, hey, man, my network likes you. Do you want to come and open up for me at an event? I was like, uh, yeah. So that's what I did. And I would introduce him as, and I still introduce him as that today, to this day. So fast forward, I get out of the mortgage industry. And this came like... We're talking about how things always fall into place. I was married the whole time and started my journey and and getting into self-development. But what ended up happening was I worked my way out of my marriage. I was so focused on work. I'd go to the mortgage company. I would take care of my young children. I'd get my wife fed and the kids fed and do all that stuff. She had her own job. But 
like I stopped paying attention and investing in my marriage. I was all in on me and all in on self-development. And it was to the detriment of my marriage. I'd come home, I'd work on audiobooks at night. Because the other option was to sit and watch Netflix or, you know, the Hallmark movie channel. And yeah, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do that, Chaz. Yeah. I felt like less of a man because I'm like, what do other husbands do? Because I, I knew I wasn't going to get any work done if I was in bed at 10 o'clock watching TV or even 7 o'clock. I didn't, I didn't want that life for myself. I, I lived that life. I watched my parents live that life. And I didn't want that life. I never wanted that life. I was always staying up till two, three in the morning, even on a school night, working on projects, coloring, writing, doing anything, because my mind was just moving like that. So on the weekends, I would go and DJ weddings. So I was booked like 52 weeks out of the year for the most part. I'd have at least 52 to 60 gigs a year. So I was moving and busting for a one man show. But I used to pay my mortgage to provide private school for my kids to pay for all the overhead expenses of insurance and cell phones and, and all the gadgets wow. gadgets that we wanted. Right. Yeah. So I was hustling. I was doing my thing. And about three years ago, actually three years to this date that we're recording this, my divorce was finalized and I'd been married 13 years. And then 13 years later, we got liberated, liberated. Notice I said liberated, mm -hmm. but I'm glad I had that experience. It was great. And I live 20 minutes away from my kids now. But she even said, she's like, I have a feeling you're going to be working with Ryan. I was like, that's weird. Like, I live in Longview. I'm two and a half hours away from there. Like, that's not going to work. She didn't know either. We both didn't know that we were going to be, you know, living yeah. separate lives in the future. But we followed the path. So, you, so when you say you started working with Ryan, because I do want to get to, I, I do want to, like, put a little bit of time into the Ryan Steumann um uh, stuff um when you say that you started working with him in 16 that was you're referring to like kind of building the relationship you read the book and he's teaching uh or he's coaching at your at your mortgage company you're working for and then the stuff you just shared with me that's all like 16 17 yeah 16 17 that's happening when did you move to because you're in houston now right mm -hmm. yep. when did you move to houston so i'll tell you i it's there's a trip that I made up to Dallas. So three years ago, Ryan had hit me in the DM. He had no idea I was getting liberated because I didn't talk about it. It was a very painful thing for me. It was a, it was a admission of failure and these kids that I loved and their mom is not a bad person. We just weren't a good fit. I, I had to go and create a space for her to say, Hey, I don't want to be here anymore. And it's okay. Cause we need, we can't continue to do what we're doing. So what do you want to do? Check the box. Cause I knew she wasn't happy. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or Dr. Phil or, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a love doctor to figure that out. So we decided to liberate and separate. And we did that. I moved to Addison 2019. Okay. So that was a very profound moment for me. The first three months after liberation, like I was, I had to, I went through a lot of rage but I had to do it in the confines of a different space. I had to make new rules for myself. There was no drinking. There was no dating. There was no random hookups, right? No, no, you know, random sex hookups. Everything's right there on the phone. I mean, you can get an app. What do you want? You can get food, sure. delivered, sex delivered. You can booze delivered. Yeah. What do you want? So I made those hard and fast rules for myself. 
as I made that journey into Apex, because Stuman said, hey, listen, man. And it was really crazy, Chaz, because at the time, like, at some of his events before 2018, he would smoke weed, get high, hang out, like, do his thing. But in 2000, at the end of 2018, he had made an announcement that he wanted to hit the reset button. Most people resigned, quit, were fired, and he was left with maybe one person there. So he hits me up because he knows me. He knows I, I was showing up for a couple of years just doing the work for free. I didn't ask him to put me in a hotel. He didn't pay me any money. I'd bring my equipment. I'd MC the smaller events. For the bigger ones, I'd get to come in the room, get to meet all of the speakers, all of these people that people pay thousands of dollars to go see and enroll in their programs. So I thought it was a fair trade. My talent for admission I'll make you look good. I'll represent well for your company too, or in front of your friends. Sure. And his friends like me. They said, hey, man, we really like Danny. We really like the MC. That helped me too. So it wasn't, it, it's taken a whole community for me to come to this place. That opportunity was created by a community. Because I'm not, I'm not the greatest in the world. None of us are. Mm-hmm. And the moment that we realize, hey, I can't do this by myself. I have to do it with other people. That's when the magic starts to happen. Mm. That's when you say things out loud like, I need this to happen and I want this to happen and here's why. Mm. It's a law of attraction, right? It's manifestation. Provided you're willing to continue doing the work. So I come in. I moved to Dallas in 2019 in July. I stayed there for about a good year and a half getting to know Stuman on a daily basis. I knew him. I was familiar with him. He trusted me because I gave him like, he asked me questions. I would tell him, you know, where I stood. There's no manipulation. There's no end game. I'm not really attached like that. Our first discussion, like, I think it was probably 20 minutes when we went to talk about it. I said, what do you have in mind? He goes, Danny. He goes, he goes, well, I got you like doing MC and hype man stuff, but like, I think you should handle our events and manage those for the time being. I said, okay, great. I said, I'll probably have you do some sales and stuff like that, but your number one job, and the number one reason why I want you is because you listen to people. He goes, you listen and you care for people in the way that I don't have the time for. He goes, I'm a business guy. I'm a numbers guy. I care about people, but I look at things differently. I said, but what you offer them, people want that, and it's necessary to have for the company. So wow. he goes, I want you to work with my clients. I want you to onboard all of my clients. So in the last three years, I've onboarded over a thousand people one-on-one -on -one just like this into our program. Wow. So I've done over, over a hundred events just for Apex alone, live events. So that's million dollar masterminds or Apex live meetups, our in-person quarterly meetups for all of our entrepreneur and executive clients. Um, some of our rooms are now getting, they've grown from like 10 people to a hundred people in a smaller room. Yeah. We'll do are one. you, are you pretty much emceeing if there's a need for an MC or a host or you're pretty much doing all of them, right? I am. I am. And I have some help too with Tyler Dozier. He actually took my spot when I left Dallas and I left Dallas back in 2020 in the fall time in October because my children, my younger children moved down to, to Houston. So I figured that was apropos. I need to be close to my children. They're 13 and 15. And 
there's not going to be much more time that they'll be in their house or close by. So I want to be able to catch the games and go see my daughter play lacrosse or go to swim meets and hang out with my son and take him to baseball practice and spend that one-on-one time. Yeah. So, so yeah. so are you working like, so he took your position that you just shared with me, like the onboarding position at Apex? No, I still have that as well. So that's okay. still part of, part of what I do. So what, what position did he take of yours? So Tyler took the event planning aspect. So okay. he's done a phenomenal job. Like back when we started, we didn't have a big budget. It was shoestring. And coming back from my radio days, I took that knowledge and said, hey, man, like we can shave like 20 grand off the first event when I come in just by buying our own equipment. So Stuman's like, how much you think? I was like, I need 15 grand at the most. He goes, okay, cool. I came back. We had about 11 grand that we spent. He's like, perfect. I was like, okay, good. So we had, we had equipment that had already paid for itself walking in. I'd go and set up all the events. And luckily, I had met a guy along the way at that previous Million Dollar Mastermind in 2018 before I was officially hired in with the company that I stayed in touch with. And I had no idea why I was staying in touch with him, Chaz. But then one day I called him when I got to Dallas because I needed to see, I needed somebody who has had that background. And he became like one of my first official hires in the company. And he's still there to this day. So I've, att I've attracted three people that are still with the company almost three years later. That's so, awesome. It's fantastic. It was great. But Tyler Dozier, he does a great job. He's got a budget to get things done. They do some killer events. He's got some great um, entertainment and talent that comes in. And I, you know what I get to do? I get to show up and do what I do best. I get to listen and be present. I get to listen and be an MC. Yeah. I get to, and it's not even DJing now. It's emceeing. It's looking for opportunities. I get to set the stage and the tone and control the feel of the room. Yeah. I love that. And it's also, it's in a very, very important, very important role. I think probably one that gets overlooked a lot. I don't know Ryan Stuman and, you know, Dustin and I talked very briefly about him and Apex as well. I am not a member of Apex yet. I will be soon. Um, uh, it's definitely on my radar for sure. I know the value of it. it it's simply a move when it's time for me. Yeah. just for financial reasons. Um, but it's not a if, it's just when. I don't need to be convinced because I know the value. Yeah. I can't wait to be a part of the community. Uh, I'll share some stuff with you off the air. I'd love to chat like by phone sometime probably, or maybe we'd do a Zoom, but I think there's some bigger things. I'm going to try not to get emotional. I actually got emotional about this last week, but uh, when I went to the Million Dollar Mastermind, uh, you know, so I was raised without a dad. Most of my friends are females, pretty much all of them raised by a single mom. Um, most of the people in my life are females, very few males that are like very, very few males that are I'm close with. Um, for some reason at that event, and, and I, I'll show you, so I come out of multi-level marketing, right? I just spent five years in that industry where it's very raw, raw, very phony, and I'll just leave it at that. And uh, <clears throat> so my first event outside of, of that industry was Million Dollar Mastermind. So like, I leave that industry. I don't go to anything like I hadn't been to anything. And so that was in, uh, in April and I had left the company I was with for four years and had four successful years and then left that company in uh, <clears throat> November of, of, of 2000 of the year before. So I'd been, hadn't been to any kind of meeting in like, let's just say six to eight months. And then the next meeting I go, so I'm with every meeting I'm at for four years. So mind you, I've never been to any kind of meeting. I learn about personal development. I learn about meetings. I learn about MLMs all that stuff. Every event I'm at is like, everybody's dressed nicer than they would really dress. Everybody's buying clothes that they've never worn in their life because they're told to. 
<clears throat> everybody's wearing things like buttons that they've never would have worn in their life, but somebody told them to wear. I'm, I'm like giving you the super nice short version of it, right? You, I know you, you're not naive. You get it. Yeah. Everybody's showing up to people that they're not. It's all women. There's like, there's a, let's say 20% men, cool men. And by the way, in those four years, I built awesome friendships. I traveled all over. I had awesome success. I learned so much, but I was over it. So the next event I go to, I get this message from Tyler, like a, a broadcast message in the group, right? And it's like, hey, by the way, it's come as you are, jeans and a t-shirt in our, in our, in, in our, in our meetings, like in our, tra- in our training events, whatever. We're like, we're not like, we're not, you just do you, like you be you. Yeah. So I show up the next day with Anna, who's my, my spouse and uh, another friend of ours. And I like everybody there is a dude. There's probably 10 or 15 men at or women at the most and me, which I prefer to hang out with chicks. Cause that's what I do. It's right. all men. They're all alpha, no offense. They're all with beards. They're all muscled and they're all wearing jeans and black shirts. And I'm like, okay, well, this is totally God. You clearly <laughs> want me to be out of my comfort zone. <laughs> clearly, you know, <laughs> and I tell you that because and, and it's funny you t- brought up the, the Ryan F, MF and Stuman thing, mm-hmm. because that is a piece I've shared so many times since that event, because the event opened up with that whole Ryan MF and Stuman thing. Mm-hmm. And then it went into Keith Kraft, who I'd never heard of. Right. And then it went into a whole powerful Thursday of key speakers that were just mind blowing. And then it, it book ended with Steve Weatherford, who I'd never heard of, who had a testimony that would just give anybody chills, who just spoke so openly about his relationship with Jesus. And this Ryan MF and Stuman, who dropped F-bombs like crazy, who I, and I'm not above that, by the way. I'm, I've worked in the strip club industry for years and years and years as a DJ. I'm no better than anybody. So it's not because I, I'm offended by that, but it was very vocal. Again, I come out of a place where it's all rah-rah. All of my meetings were way different than this meeting. And so... Then I see that, but I, but I hear, but I, it opens up with you, then Stuman and some crazy gangster music, then Keith Kraft, then a weekend of greatness and ends with such vulnerable, just incredible speaking from Stephen Weatherford. And I just, I have, it gave me this respect for Ryan Stuman that I, I'll, I'll carry that to my grave, dude, that dead serious. And, and there's two parts to what I'm sharing with you. One is that because of that, Knowing that Ryan Stuman produced an event and was not afraid to open it and close it with Jesus gave me such an amount of respect, dude. Like he was able to be himself. Like he didn't like, well, I'm having Keith Kraft there and he's my pastor. And I'm going to close it with this uh, former uh, world champion Super Bowl guy who talks very openly about his faith. And so we better, hey, guys, uh, let's when we do this, this this weekend, let's tone it down. Let's just let's tone the F-bombs down. Cause we're having some guests there and I don't, I want to make sure nobody thinks that we're this way. Like clearly he is him. I don't know him. I don't know Ryan. I will. I will know Ryan. He'll know me too, but he was him and everybody there was themselves. And I thought if you want to respect somebody in this world, respect people that show up as them. Yes. Right. Yes. The other side of that and where I was, where I'm leading up to is that I left that event and I first, and I've, I keep telling Anna this, I've several, I'm like, you know, I feel like I was supposed to be there because there's something and I don't know exactly where this is supposed to line up. I feel like God kind of maybe gave me this nudge. If you've ever been nudged, like maybe Chaz, you need some male mentorship in your life. You know, maybe you need to build some relationships with some strong alpha men 
which is extremely out of my comfort zone. Like, I cry in movies, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a pansy, but like, even though I'm a big guy with tattoos, like, I grew up with a single mom only child. Like, I, I'm, I don't, I don't wear alpha on my on my tattoos, maybe, but like, I'm just, I'm a just kind of a, I'm what you see is what you get, and so I haven't spent a lot of time around bearded dudes with jeans and black t-shirts that just left the gym right like again i'm not being a hater i'm just being real like that's what i'm not that's foreign to me and there's just this part of me that's like you know maybe you should be around people that make you a little bit uncomfortable so that maybe you can elevate it's not about elevating to be a muscle head it's not about elevating to being an alpha maybe it's an elevating to like locking arms with strong like-minded people like-minded people that will carry you because you said something earlier danny what you said was like you said like, there, you, I can't remember the words you used, but you were talking about basically working with a group versus working alone. And there's so much power in that. Like there, you can get so much further when you work together versus thinking you can do something alone. And so I just tell you that because that event did that for me. There was a lot of great takeaways. There were some great speakers. I could talk about the event forever, but that doesn't pertain to everybody who watches this that wasn't at the event. But what it did for me was it was like, it really opened my eyes to, it wasn't just the event. It was the, it was the people that were there and the the switch in my mind is like, man, maybe, and that's why I want to be a part of Apex. To be honest, it's like, maybe, maybe really the bigger picture for me is like, I just need to get around different like-minded people that will pull me up, that will pull me to a place that's uncomfortable. And the greatest things in my life, like 2019 and 2020 were the hardest years of my whole life. I'm 44. So to be 44 and my hardest years were, we're at 42 and 43 years old is kind of weird. You'd think the hardest was when you were younger, right? But the hardest years were 19 and 20. And that's, and this has nothing to do with COVID by the way. So for those to be the hardest years of my life and then to be in the happiest, greatest place I am today, you know, I know that it was because I, the most uncomfortable parts of my life were that season. And so maybe if, maybe I need some more uncomfort, some discomfort, to elevate me to a level far above what I could ever believe, possibly because I've been thinking and speaking of what I want to become for such a long time. And maybe it's just now time to fill those shoes. So what do you want to become? I want to, I want to, I will make a massive impact on people in this world. I, I want to be able to gift and bless a lot of people with sharing valuable things, whether it's whether it, I mean, I have a, a list of things, but I want to be able to, I want to be able to bless people. That's what I want to do. That's what Amen. I will do. So. And you will. And you know, the other yeah. thing too, Chaz, is you do need to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this because when you, that's where you're going to grow through maximum discomfort. It's where you grow. It's where you get experience. It's where you learn. Mm-hmm. You have to emotionally, mentally, and physically starve yourself and get uncomfortable to that place where you're like, okay, I got to make this work. I have to go all in. There's no plan B. Mm-hmm. And these alpha men that are around in the group, I got to tell you, man, and you haven't seen this, but I've been in those meetups. Even those that have plenty of money, their net worth is in the millions to the tune of seven figures, eight figures. I've seen those men cry. I've seen them break. Because they don't have everything together. Mm-hmm. There's a part of them that is isolated. There's a part of them that is not functioning. It's not plugged into the rest of the mainframe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's probably a lot of healing that you can offer for them. 
There are probably <laughs> gaps. There might be excuses that people are saying, well, my dad wasn't there. Well, guess what? His dad wasn't either, but it didn't stop him from being an awesome dad. Yeah. A lot of those people might need to work on their relationships with their children. Do you know how many people I talk to that come into Apex? One of their big things, is, and these are people that run companies. They're CEOs and, and executives, C-suite executives. I'd say, I really, like I ask them, I say, what are your goals for the next 90 days? Like, what is your big focus? Tomorrow you wake up and you're going to focus on something. Well, I got the financial portion handled. I really need to spend time with my kids. I had one guy that almost broke my heart because he said, man, he goes, I got four kids and I don't even know who they are. Mm. He said, my 12 year old daughter does not like, it's weird for me. He's like, I don't know who she is. It broke That's my heart for him. Yeah, it did. It really did. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, God moved, moved the universe to create an opportunity for him where he's not needed in his business now. Awesome. So he's like, what do I do with my hands? But that was one of the things that kind of, for him, it it brought him to a screeching halt. And he said, okay, part of the reason why I'm here is because I know that there are models of men who are living good family lives. They are good spouses, right? Mm -hmm. they, they're good partners. They're yeah, honest yeah. business people. A lot of those alpha dudes, they're a lot softer than what they seem, but they'll also be the first ones to come dragging you out of the mud if you need mm -hmm. the help. Sure. I think that's awesome. And they are because we're, we're surrounded by those true people. It is. It's not, it's not for show and tell. It's for like these guys really mean what it is that they're doing. And a lot of them have had, you know, life has kicked the crap out of them. Yeah. And well, I, I think I saw that. I think I saw I think what I feel like I saw was very authentic. And and I also like let me let me also go back one step and say like this is the second time on the podcast I've talked about Apex. Like I don't I don't. I don't benefit from apex. I don't, I don't, this isn't about a pitch. This is just about like where I'm at. Again, I'm always want to be authentic. This is just happens to be like some of the people, my goal is to bring people on this podcast that are going to bring value. And it just so happens that in this season of my life, it's people like you who happen to be a part of an organization who have brought me some value and have, who I've uh, been inspired by. Right. So I, I just, I don't ever want to apologize for talking about apex or whatever I talk about, but I do want to say like, this is never anything. It's never anything. I'm like, this is never anything to like push or make anybody feel any kind of encouragement or drive to go in any direction in their life. But so that people understand apex is simply a group of awesome people, which you can talk about if you want to. Um, but it's just a group of really strong, like-minded, like-minded people, men and women, um, who are who are entrepreneurs and movers and shakers who have a, a mutual desire to to grow and become more with some incredible coaching, right? That's yeah. kind of what what's what's offered. That's part um, of it, and that's why I have an interest. You know, I got to tell you, Chaz, and and the other thing too is like, so I'll tell you about a conversation I had with Ryan a few years ago, and and it was back when we sat down to negotiate the terms of me joining the company. And, and I did, I had very, a few simple requests because I, I was burnt out. I was working with people I didn't like to be aligned with. And actually I would have said no to them had any one of these things, not like if any one of these things was, were a deal breaker. Cause I, I had hit my limit there as a human being. Like I'm, it's kind of like when you do not care to the point where you will strip down naked and take off running and not because you've lost your mind. It's because you cannot be held and confined by the things of this earth that drag down the human spirit and hold us captive physically. That's, that's to the point of agitation that I was. That's where I was in my life. 
and I didn't care. Like I was, I was getting liberated from marriage. I have a brand new start coming. I was, I had to do one of the hardest things was just to tell my children, like I wasn't going to be married to their mom anymore. So my relationships moving forward, like I was, a lot of things were messing with my head in terms of like, I just invested 13 years of my life and it didn't work out. I was mad. I was mad because I didn't understand the big picture. So when I sat down to have a discussion with Stuman, I was like, well, I'm going to be very clear in my communication. Be very clear in my communication with what I want. And if he accepts it, great. If not, no problem. Yeah. Amen. You know, so I did that, but we sat down in his office. It lasted 20 minutes. He's like, all right, man. So I want you to come and you listen to my clients. I want you to take care of them. Awesome. He goes, I said, Hey man, um, like I got a few things. I need to be able to come and go as I need to. He goes, okay, no problem. I want to be able to, to see my kids. That's another thing. If I have to go to Houston and I got to be there for a few days, I'm able to work and be there. No problem. Right. And I want to be able to work in the network, like work with people, transact business and not have that be held against me. He's like, no problem. Done. Then I asked him, I asked him a question because this is very important. I think a lot of people forget to ask people that are in positions of authority, really good questions. Don't ask them the easy ones like, how do you come up with such great content? Like, ask them something impactful that will probably throw them out in the left field. So I asked him this question. I said, Ryan, I said, if you were ever to able, if you were ever able to do this all over again, how would you have structured it? He said, I would have taken people like you and Truby and a lot of key members that are in our group, like people that bust their ass, show up, and our servant leaders. He goes, I would sit back and create the content and be the investor in the business. I would come and speak on stage, but then you guys would run it. He goes, this is not the Ryan Stuman show. He goes, I did the initial work to get this thing started, but I can't do all of this. He goes, I can't coach a hundred people a week. I don't want to coach a hundred people a week because I have no energy for my family by the time I'm done. Wow. He goes, my cars, my watches, that's all for points of entry to get into bigger rooms. People that are doing higher level stuff because I want those people to be my clients. And he goes, I want to also learn what it is that they figured out to amass the wealth of knowledge and assets in their lives. I got to tell you, we've got people that are founders of Wingstop, pro athletes, like you were talking about Steve Weatherford. He was just at one of our events a couple weeks ago. Some of those alpha men crying. A couple people accepted Jesus while they were there in public. Mm. It was amazing. Apex is a lot more than, it's not, it's not just a program. It's hard to explain, but the people make up Apex. Yeah. If you need something, they're watching you. They're stalking like you are, but they're doing an even better job and they'll grab you. They'll see you before you slip and fall and they'll pull you in. I think that, that right there, what you said is, is that is everything that matters. That is, that is, you know, who else does that? Jesus does that. Jesus will never, that, that's who does that. And I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing, but that's the, that, who, who do you want to be around? You want to be around the people that will lift you up, right? Who, who does not want that? People that won't admit that struggle with pride and ego, because the reality is who, there's nobody in this earth that I believe that does not want somebody to just gently grab them and pull them up when not just when life's messy or when life's rough, but when there's an opportunity to elevate, there's an opportunity to become more. Yeah. Or like one of my biggest passions is like, I want to 
you, I mean, you asked me what I want to do. Like, I want to bless people. I, I want to bless. You know what I want to do? I want, I've gone through my whole life thinking, man, what if I just had another opportunity? What if somebody came, like, what if somebody could have come to me and said, hey, because I know my heart, I know my desire, I know my skills, I know my gifts. Sometimes I've gone through life and maybe this, maybe this is just, maybe I'm a dreamer, but I'm like, what if so-and-so would have come to me and just put, and I've said this before, like, what if somebody came and put their hand on my shoulder? And this probably comes from not having a dad, if I'm being honest. What if, what if Bob came and whoever Bob is and just put their hand on shows to Chaz, you know, I, I really believe you have a lot to give. Why don't you, why don't you allow me to just kind of take you along with, and let me, let me help you. Like, I, I feel like I'm still searching for that. If I'm being like so vulnerable right now, I feel like I've always just thought maybe I was going to be given that gift of a shoulder just to somebody just take me with them. Right. I want to give that. And I will, I will give that to people because there's opportunity to do that. And not everybody gets that. And some people do, um, not handouts, hand ups, you know? And, uh, so, you know, that's that who doesn't want that, you know? So I think that's awesome. I'm so glad you said that because I do believe that I, I, I would have believed it without you even saying that because I've, I feel like I've seen it even from, even from afar. Um, but, and, and I have a couple friends that are a part of apex and in, um, and even some female friends, one particular who has already seen, first of all, massive increase in her business. But she said, I cannot believe how people came out of the woodwork to help. I don't even understand why people want to help me grow so much. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that speaks volumes. It you does. Know? Yeah, it really does. And, and that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be in the position that I am. All the work that I did leading up to the point, like that 20 years in radio and working in the mortgage industry, like it was validated the moment I was invited to come serve a bigger network. Yeah. The moment I was validated and invited to come and speak on stages. Do you know how many people ask to speak on stages that never get that opportunity? Sure. I didn't ask for it. My ego doesn't require it. Fame is not real. Because I know at the end of the day, I'm willing to grab a shovel and go dig a hole. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm willing to change dirty things. I'm able to go in and do the difficult, nasty, ugly work. And a lot of it starts with looking within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I've taken deep looks and dark looks. I've taken long looks. And I've, I've looked down the face of comparison and humiliation and envy and greed and pride and sloth and gluttony and avarice and lust right yeah i've looked down the seven deadly sins and been through some of them and you know what i came back out and i found out hey like this is the bigger picture like we're here to help each other that's why we're all here like why why do we like we can do the same things this is a tricky part too because of the programming in society it's like well, this is what you should be, and you should go do this. I used to try to fit in and watch pro football, and then I was like, I feel like I'm wasting my time. I would get so mad when the Minnesota Vikings would lose and because I would sit there and go, I just got drunk, I spent money, and they lost, and I wasted three hours of my time when I should have been honing my craft or writing. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why am I doing that? So, like, you know, these agreements that we make, you know, that it's beautiful to see them upheld. And, and everything has come to fruition since that conversation three years ago. Everything that Steumann said he wanted, he manifested and said out loud. Say what you see so you can hear what you say. Say what you see so you can hear what you say, Pastor Keith Kraft. That's how you program yourself. Say it again for me. Say what you see 
so you can hear what you say. God, I want my life to change. God, I want more of X. I need Z. I need this. I need that. And then the only thing you have to do is get to work and not worry. You have to disconnect and detach to how it's going to work out. Amen. That's the hardest part, but let go and let God believe that so much. And it's, and it's true. He can't do all the work if we're trying to do the work and it's our work. If, as soon as we try and do the work that becomes ours and it's not supposed to be ours. It's that that's perfect. You know, that's if, if we, if we put it out there, then let's let it all happen. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, Chas. Wow. And like, you know, I think of two things just off the bat. This is before we even do a deep dive and brainstorming, but I know for you, you can teach people that never had a dad there how to live in a just life. You can also work with parents too. How do you be a cool, awesome dad? How do you have a good relationship with your son? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're probably going to, you probably have a collective of people that love you have been there to love you through that, right? Your relationship with your mom to like, what are the things that you did? Where did you go? Like there are a lot of people that still haven't figured that part out because they're still, sure. you know, married to that identity of my dad wasn't there, right? Mm -hmm. So it justified, like sometimes people just do what they want because they're, they just want to do those things, right? Sure. Need justification or a reason. And right. I think there's, a, there's something around that for you too. And it is okay to be a sensitive man. You should definitely, you know, it's it's okay to express your feelings and and do those things and and and, and cry. Yeah. So there are moments again, like we talked about this off air, but like there are moments where in the middle of a an event, I'll get choked up on stage. It's happened a couple of times because I'll stop in the moment and I'll realize all the work that I did. Yeah. And all all the all the battles that I had to fight whether it be the passive aggressiveness, the missed opportunities or somebody talking trash about me or getting pushed back in my relationships, right? Or mm -hmm. doubting myself, self-doubt is probably one of the worst. Mm -hmm. But in humility, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. And and that was the thing that carried me through. And I still maintain my humility and maintain my gratitude. And I also celebrate all the work that I've done and I'm grateful for the blessings and the invitations. You can't say no to a gift and you can't nope. say no to an invitation. And the sooner you get connected with that and accept the responsibility of that, being willing to surrender anything that does not belong and give it back freely, your life is going to change. Amen. Danny, it's been awesome. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to wrap up. So first okay. of all, um, what do you do right before you get on stage to open an event? Do you have like, is there a thing? Is there a moment? Is there a, a something? It's the same thing I do every day. Some people do it for show. You see them backstage at concerts, praying and everything. Mine's every day and mine's every night. I'm like, God, it's like, help me know what it is I need to know when I need to know it. Help me know what it is I need to do when I need to do it. And help me know what it is I need to say when I need to say it. Yeah. What is the message today? What do I need to speak? That's how I approach it. Awesome. I approach that, but I don't have to do that with a group of people. I'm just like, you know, make your presence known today. Mm. Channel me, use me. There's a song from, uh, uh, it's a Catholic song. It was like, make me a channel of your peace. You know, mm. where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Like, it's a beautiful song. So it's called Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Make sure you Google it. You can probably oh. hear, hear it on YouTube, but it's a beautiful song. And that's indicative of like, we're here to be instruments. 
we're conductors of energy. Yep. So absolutely, energy is so 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 important. I hope that the whole world one day will figure that out because it is so key and it will absolutely. Change. It's like going to get a tune-up on your car. Yeah. Amen. Everything. What? Uh, two more questions. One is, what's a book? What are you reading right now? Oh, okay. So I've got this is a good one. So this is one that I actually produced for Jessica Dennehy. Okay. It's called Pivot and Slay. Great title, by the way. Yeah, Pivot and that Slay. That is so cool. Yeah, that's that's very great, especially if uh you're a a mompreneur and or you're trying to leave the nine to five. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Um, she was a, a regulator on Wall Street for many years. Went to college for it. She barely got into college. She's got a great story of, of becoming a hustler and then getting married and then becoming an integrator for somebody who was a visionary in a company. And yeah. her ex-husband had, had this great vision for a barbershop. So now she owns a couple of barbershops. And and they became like creme de la creme of, of the barber industry in New York. And they're... Like they're doing big things and now she's a coach and she helps other people out of that. Um, the other book that I, I really love right now, there's one called, this is, and this is going to be great too. Um, this is one that I shared with my son, but it's called, wait, I got to look at the title because it's been, it's by Rolo Tomasi. And Rolo Tomasi wrote a book called um, The Rational Male. Okay. That's a great book. I'll give you another book too as a bonus. Okay. Um, it is, where is that? Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have. It's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Wow. So you okay. got one for males, one for females, and one for everybody. Those books are fantastic. Okay. So guys, I asked Danny for one book he gave us three which is awesome he actually gave us four because elevator to the top by ryan steuben which i did not know i've not read a ryan steuben book yet but i have not heard of that one so that's awesome um I, so i just so you guys know um in the description whether this is on youtube any, anywhere you find it the description will have all of these book titles and what i've started doing is actually putting a hyperlink so you actually can click it and it'll take you right to amazon where you can order the book whether you choose to do audible or or whatever it's your choice but that link will be there as well as a link straight to danny's instagram so that you can follow along his journey he's real deal uh sometimes you'll hear about uh lacrosse with his kiddo and sometimes you'll hear something funny and sometimes you'll just hear something just real deal life talk uh, but also you can keep up with what he's got going on or even his uh character little d that's right next to him hanging out so um, but all anything, anything that we talk about as far as like some of these, these keynote things, I do try and put in the description. I've started trying finally figuring out how to do that. And I think that that's going to be a good key place. So if you see or hear something, either regardless, if there's something you're like, oh, dang, I want to know that look in the description, it generally will be in there. Um, and the last thing is, where is um, what tell me like presently right now, I don't mean this second, but like it's January, it's the end of January, it's 2022. What is like in a nutshell, what is the life of, of you look like right now? Like in a nutshell, what's, what's Danny's life like right now? I wake up. I'm in hustle mode. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, not only do I contract with Ryan Stuman, you know, like my life exists because of the connection and the work that I did leading up to that, to meeting him 
and everything beyond that has evolved because I continue to plug in and show up and 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 do my time and take chances and my life is very very chaotic it's not I can't I can't be with nine to five people um, it's a hard proposition for me it really is um, unless they have other things going on if they have side hustles or solopreneur gigs you know whether maybe DJing or they have a snow cone stand seasonally you know I, I have to be around interesting people but the main thing is I wake up I might wake up at seven eight o'clock in the morning sometimes I go to bed at 2 30 in the morning right now I've got a company called voice your life media and I work with a lot of people to produce their podcast and audiobooks I work with narrators I work with authors um, on producing a fulfilling podcast and audiobooks I'm in the process of building my team so hence the long day I'm still editing audiobooks and podcasts so I just wrapped that one for Jessica Dennehy and we submit them to Amazon audible and iTunes um, before you and I got on this call I went and had a mid-morning breakfast I haven't done that in a long time I did that with my brother and, and sister-in-law and, awesome. and my niece so my brother is 42 he just had his first baby and, oh wow yeah so I live a very interesting life I go and I see my kids when I have a chance because like hey what are you guys doing you want to go to dinner yeah dad that'd be great they're teenagers they always love to eat um, two three times a month I'm going to Dallas for events I'm usually there four or five days in a stretch and this year I actually started getting invited to MC other stages for people that are within apex that have their own groups that they've started up so the network feeds itself yeah you don't have to look beyond where you need to be people are watching all the time yeah and showing up as you is the key to that in my opinion if not that you don't already know this but if if somebody was curious like well how's that happening to him first of all you put it out in the universe second of all you just show up as you if you show up as you make it real by speaking it right just like you said earlier believe it and then thirdly just just show up as you like as long as you're authentically you like the right pieces will fall exactly where they're supposed to uh, is there anything, uh, be, like, is there something, is there a piece of your life that you feel like, are, are you, is there something that you feel like you have not fulfilled yet that you're excited to do? Like, so I'm new to real estate, right? So for me, it's like, I'm new. I have a goal to sell 20 houses this year. I've got my hands in a lot of other things. I'm doing it. I'm dad. I'm a dad. I'm, I'm DJing part-time in the evenings, a couple nights a week. I'm, you know, I'm, I've got an amazing spouse. I, I want to do, po- I've got a lot of little irons in the fire, right? But but if you were like, so I have a, like a, a goal in the next couple of years, I like, I really want to understand this real estate language. I want to own some properties. I want to learn investments. And then I have some goals, like some, you know, some other, other goals outside of that. Like, is there anything for you that in a couple of, within a year or two from now that you want to do that you're like reaching towards, is there a stretch for you, something that's firing you up? Yes. Um, so the big thing is legacy. So I want to, establish a trust in the next year or so awesome and all of the money that i make i'm going to put into it but through investments so like and this is going to be something i do with my brother my brother just left his nine to five his hvac job he was working on the hot roofs on the commercial buildings here in houston and um you know through a series of circumstances he's like damn we're getting ready to do the thing we said we were going to do which is also real estate but it's going to be probably through passive investing so that's something I'm really on fire for. I want to get my company built up and start adding narrators. I don't have to narrate all the books. I don't have the greatest voice in the world. I want to create some classes, right, and teach people how to, like, get their kids to work. Like, I'm really big in financial youth education because we didn't have that. And 
I know what it's like to fight over a hot dog at dinner. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to have to ask permission to get a snack because we're on a tight budget for a couple of weeks. I know what it's like to be told to go stand away from the register because my parents didn't want us to know we had food stamps. So in the next year or two, I want to, yeah, it's like, it's amazing the things that we went through, but I'm, I'm glad that we did. But in this next year, I want to be able to travel with my kids and say, hey guys, listen, um, let's get on a plane. Why dad? Because we're going to South Padre. We're going to go down to Mexico this weekend. What? Yeah, but we didn't. It's okay. Let's go. But let's, let's take a trip to, to Minnesota. You want to go to the Mall of America today? Because we're going to go. Right? That's where I want to get my life to. And it has nothing to do with Flash or having a bunch of money. It's having the ability to actually create that opportunity. Freedom. 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 I wasted so much of my time as a teenager, and I don't want my kids to waste their time. So yeah. I want to do everything possible. But back to what you said, too. I want to be able to bless people. There's nothing better that makes me smile than seeing somebody smile and they can't pay you back. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing because that's happened to me. And I want to return those blessings. So many times I've been stumbling through this earth. And uh, this year is going to be a huge year of giving back while building. Because I don't need everything that I have. So, sure. you know. What a great place to be, too. You know, you it's just a great place to be. Dude, I, I appreciate you so much. I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you being adaptable today with scheduling. Um, this is something I've looked forward to for a long time. Believe it or not, I actually, I I, I knew months and months and months ago that, that this connection went. In fact, I think I messaged you months ago and said, hey, you want to podcast sometime? Before I even knew what it would look like in 2022, I just knew it was going to happen. Didn't know what that looked like. But here we sit today. And uh, I know that I know that the people that are that will listen and see this will get value. And I use the word value all the time because I think that that's an important word, which to me, to get value just means an opportunity to 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 um, to have a little bit more knowledge than you did maybe the day before. Right. And um, that's important to me. I always want to grow every single day. And so I know that you've brought that to us, to me as well. I love hearing more about your story. I'm grateful for it. I'm excited to see what the rest of this year brings for you. I'm excited to see that, first of all, you already are creating your legacy. So as what as much as legacy maybe is your word or your goal for this over the next 365 days, it is something you've worked on creating for years. And I hope that you let that resonate with you. Like give yourself the 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 grace of of the journey to know that you've been working on your legacy through all the oops, all the messiness, um, because that's just part of building that foundation, you know, because now you're where you are today to know that that's what you're working on. And so I think that it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch you do that and, and put it into a, a visible thing, you know? Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see you in the next few months sometime. I think we're going to deal in Dallas or Frisco um, sometime in the summer. So I'll definitely uh, be there for that. And if I don't see, see before that, but I appreciate you. Uh, this podcast will come out here in the next couple of days, or it'll probably be already out when somebody hears it, which would make sense. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird to record. I'm like, and when I hear things like all the, like whenever you hear something and they do that, I don't like it because it makes you realize that it was pre-recorded, yeah. but whatever, I'm still learning, you know, you, you learn as you go, but. You no, know, here's, um, here's the beautiful thing about it. It's transcendent of time. Like today could be today. It could be yesterday. Maybe yeah. it's tomorrow though. You just don't know. Right. I have this hope that like, um, who is it? Bradley or Ed Milet. I don't think it's Ed Milet. 
it might be stupid. Somebody's podcast I listened to said they, I might be Bradley, whoever it is said that they started their podcast so that they can leave that for their kids. Like, so that like they can look back and have like this long thing for their kids down the road and they can just have it. Like if they ever want to go back and see this archive, there's a piece of this life that's going to be there forever. You know, that's not my, my reason or my goal, but I do hope that I know for me, one of my goals was I, on week one of 2020, the first podcast I did, I knew that it would be whatever it was supposed to be that day. And I knew I would look back a few weeks later and realize I was a little better than I was on week one. And, and here we are week four of the second time around doing interview style. I know that interview today will be a little smoother than it was on week one. And, and from week four to week 28, you know what I mean? Like you just yeah. grow and evolve. And I love that because I want to become better. I want to be a student and grow all the time. And so it is nice to be able to go back and look at it, you know, or listen and whatever. So it is, and you know what you get, you get more and more handsome too, as time goes on. That's the beautiful thing. So, Hey, I'll receive that. All right. Sure. That's, that's, how it goes. Haircut. <laughs> that's it, man. All right, Dude, I appreciate you again. I'm going to, we'll wrap this up and uh, I will talk to you and see you again soon. I appreciate you so much. And I hope you have the greatest day and the greatest week and I uh, look forward to seeing you more in 2022. Amen. I'm going to count on it. All right. See you, buddy. See you, man.